Let us pray. Most loving and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We pray that your Holy Spirit will open our hearts to hear your voice. Lord, may your word be spoken and your word received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Both the Old Testament lesson and this section from John's Gospel both seem to point to God's grace being lavished upon us. And as we look first at the Old Testament lesson, we find that uh, the people had prayed for deliverance from Egypt and God brought them out and parted the sea and all that took place to set them free from Egypt. And they seem to have forgotten And now they are in this situation they find themselves in, and they start grumbling. Uh, And they don't remember all that God has done, and so they grumble with one another, they grumble against God, they go to Moses, and then he goes to God and he grumbles. And God's response should be striking for us, because God does not say, oh, these ungrateful, annoying people who are never going to understand what I've done for them, let me wipe them out. That could have been God's response, but they grumble and God responds with more grace. And that's important for us to see because I think we find ourselves in the same position. Things happen in life and we throw our hands up like the Israelites did and say, I don't understand how I got here, I don't understand why you're not doing anything, Uh, we need somebody to blame, all the stuff that goes into that, um, I think we can relate. And in the midst of that, God says, here's some more grace. Take the elders out and strike the rock with this rod and water comes forth. Their need is provided for. Again, because of God's grace. Now, if you fast forward with that, to John's Gospel, this is also a story about God's grace. And Jesus has this encounter uh, with the Samaritan woman. Now, they're going through Samaria, and there's all sorts of problems in this encounter because uh, the Samaritans and the Jews don't get along. Uh, Samaria's got a problem with all sorts of idolatry going on. And so first... uh, This Jew, Jesus, is talking to a Samaritan. That would be problem number one. Problem number two, she's a woman. Problem number three, they're alone. All these rules uh, would say Jesus and this woman should have nothing to do with one another, uh, but Jesus doesn't care about that. Jesus has an encounter with her. And then what we see is that two sort of different conversations are going on at the same time because Jesus is thirsty and she gets all focused on how is she going to give him this literal water from the well right here. And well, that's one thing going on. Uh, Jesus is having this whole other conversation about, well, you know, I could give you this living water. And she's not understanding that that he's talking beyond this this physical drink 
and this this water that he will provide, uh, the water of, of new life that he gives to each of us. And in fact, this parallel conversation points in some ways to what Jesus recognizes about uh, trying to earn our righteousness under the law. That anybody who's tried to do that uh, knows that even if we're able to get 100 on the test today, what the law then demands is you've got to get 100 tomorrow, and the day after that, and the day after that. You know, and so Jesus uses this, this image just like, well, if you take a drink today, you're still going to be thirsty tomorrow. You still got to drink more water tomorrow, right? The, the law in itself is never going to satisfy that way. It's never going to let you off the hook. But the living water that Jesus provides is his life poured out for us so that we don't need to strive to get 100 on the test. But we receive what he has done for us. And then the, the encounter takes this shift that he says to her, well, go and call your husband and come back. And the woman answers, well, I have no husband. And that's where Jesus says, well, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. And what we see in this encounter is several things going on. That the fact that she has come in the middle of the day says she wants to come when other people aren't around. And she doesn't want to perhaps uh, talk about the, the baggage of her life, so she comes when nobody else would be there. And I think we need to be careful, though, because when we hear, well, she's had five husbands, immediately our first interpretation tends to make that be her fault, uh, which it may be. The text doesn't really tell us, but we have to remember in this time period, women could not divorce their husbands. So she has multiple husbands either because there was a, a biblical reason for divorce or there was not a biblical reason for divorce or somebody died. There's a whole host of reasons that she could find herself in this situation. But for some reason, when we hear this, our first instinct uh, puts all the blame on her uh, in, in a very negative moral sense, which may be the case, the text doesn't say, but it may not be. I just think we need to be cautious as to there could be other reasons that are not her fault that she finds herself in this situation. But whatever, however she got there, she finds that she's got uh, stuff in life that she brings with her that perhaps she'd rather not talk about. That the shame of whatever evaluation uh, society puts on her, she carries with her. And that's the same thing that can happen for each of us. That we can recognize our sinfulness, we can get some label uh, attached to us from society, and in our shame, we isolate ourselves to try to be where we don't have to encounter anyone. But what happens here changes her life forever. Because Jesus knows everything she's ever done, and in the midst of that, she does not encounter judgment and shame, but she encounters mercy and love and forgiveness. 
which is the good news of the gospel, because God knows everything that we have done and loves us in the middle of it. That is remarkable news. That's what Paul's talking about when he says, well, we were sinners, Jesus gave himself for us. It doesn't say when all the people had got their act together and everybody in town was scoring 100 on the test, then Jesus came. So in order for us to understand the radical love that Jesus has for us, we have to remember that picture our worst moment in life that we hope nobody finds out about, or maybe they did. At that moment, Jesus gives himself for us. At that moment, Jesus loves us. His mercy is lavished upon us. His grace is given to us. Not his judgment, but love and grace. In response to that then, she immediately goes without even Jesus saying, you know, nowhere in the text does he say, go and tell somebody. She just takes off and goes to bear witness, to say, come and see. This guy knows everything I've done. He's the Messiah. Come and see for yourself. And again, you have to wonder. They, they clearly responded, but uh, women in the culture didn't have standing to give testimony. But here she is witnessing, and people respond. And they come to Jesus, and they come to believe. So as we gather here this morning and hear this encounter, we need to see ourselves in this text and understand that as Jesus encountered and responded to the Samaritan woman, so he does to us. And that the, the big story of Scripture you'll find is people wander away, but God draws closer. And God makes a new way. And so even at our worst, God draws closer to us. We may want to run and hide, but God comes towards us with an outstretched hand of love and mercy and grace. And so we give thanks to God today and every day for that love and grace. And I pray that the Holy Spirit then will empower us to go forth uh, from this place and with boldness share that witness with others that they too might come to know God's love and mercy and grace. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day, for your love poured out upon us in and through Jesus Christ. And we pray that your Holy Spirit might teach us more and more day by day what that means. Draw us into your presence that we might be changed into your image and likeness. And may our lives be lived to your honor and glory. And we make this prayer through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.